wonderful friends, welcome to Faith FM Drive Time. Uh, welcome to Big Q&A. Uh, this is the show where we respond to difficult questions concerning God and faith, contemporary religion and the Bible. This is the show where we look at world religious trends in the light of Bible prophecy. I'm Pastor Gary. I minister to the Brighton Seventh-day Adventist Church right here in the beautiful city of Adelaide. I'm also your Drive Time host every Tuesday and Wednesday. It's really wonderful to be able to share with you once again. Uh, look, folks, I'd love to have you uh, share uh, share with us. If you've got a thought about the subject that we're talking about today, please feel free to uh, send us in that particular thought. We would love uh, to be able to hear from you. Uh, you can do this by by texting us at our studio text number, and that number again is 04888811. Now, this week, we're following the theme, God the Bible and a very human Church. Now, this is a fantastic uh, little subject uh, because the uh, reality is uh, the church is, above everything else, incredibly human. What we're actually doing is uh, we're following through some of the challenges uh, that Paul had in a very human church in his day, and uh, that, of course, is the church at uh, at Corinth. And uh, so far this week, we've looked at a couple of the, the challenges that he, uh, he faced, and uh, today uh, we're looking at an issue of conflict. Uh, in the church now, uh, uh, that's something that I'm just uh, just so conscious. I've certainly uh, uh, been part of churches where there's been no conflict. I've also uh, had to be pastor of a church uh, of a church where yes, there was there was conflict, and uh, and that's something that uh, hey, um, negotiating your way through conflict can be one of the most challenging things for. Any for any pastor. Now today our co-host is uh, Pastor Ricardo Schaefer, and Ricardo is uh, is pastoring right here uh, in uh, Adelaide, in uh, in South Oz. Uh, welcome to you, uh, Ricardo. Thank you, Gary. Good to be here once again. Oh, it's fantastic to have you as as part of our our team. It's the it's actually the last day of winter. Have you got your garden oh, nice. started yet? Uh, no, I haven't. Do you have a garden? Uh, Are you a gardener? Uh, I I would love to. I'd love I'd love to have a veggie patch, but um, I didn't have the time to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At the present time, the only thing my uh, uh, my garden is uh, is growing is weeds. It's weeds. a it's a sad, sad <laughs> state of affairs. It's been so cold. It's been so yeah. long. But you know, one of the things I really love is uh, uh, being able to get. I'm noticing the days are getting longer now, which is fantastic. Mm-hmm. That's good um, news. I get out uh, about uh, about six o'clock in the morning and uh, go and walk about. I walk about seven and a half k, something something cool. like that. And uh, it's wonderful to be coming up. Now uh, coming home with the light uh, actually uh, coming above the horizon, rather than sitting under traffic uh, traffic lights and uh, street lights, and uh, mm-hmm. coming home in the in the dark. Do, do, yeah. do you do much exercise it yourself? Is, it is. I'm actually starting to do a bit more. I used to do a lot before many years ago, but yeah, 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 yeah. So, what's your favourite form of exercise? 
Uh, for now, I'm just going out for a walk, long walks, and yeah, yeah, um, yeah. some push-ups at home with my son. You know, <laughs> he loves that. Well, stuff. I, I've got yeah. to admit, push-ups are one of things I haven't <laughs> actually ventured into. I should actually venture into them uh, because uh, they say that as you get older, your upper body strength does tend to in, to, to decrease. And I'm noticing that's taking place. I should be doing <laughs> push-ups, but no, you've actually inspired me. Maybe I'll take good, up good. a few uh, uh, a few push-ups in addition yes, to yes. my to my walking. Um, but uh, welcome aboard. Anyway, it's great to have Thanks. you here. And now, look, let's come to our World Watch uh, segment. Uh, now, I, uh, I I love uh, this particular segment because it shares – one of the things we try to do is to share what's happening in the religious world right now. Uh, you know, I'm just so conscious that uh, the more I look at what's happening in our religious world, the more I say, hey, you know, the prophecy is being fulfilled. So true. You know, have you noticed it? Is it? so true. It's just, it's just yes. something that is, you know, just day by day, week by week, not a week passes us by unless I, I actually mm. can say, hey, you know, transitions are occurring here that mm. I never thought I would see in the religious world. And now, just today, um, a, a survey, in fact, it was yesterday, this uh, survey was released. Now, this is uh, comes from the Cultural Research Centre over in the Arizona Christian University, and this is the American Worldview Inventory uh, 2022. Now, uh, this uh, survey is done by, uh, by Dr. Uh, George Barner, who is a professor at uh, Arizona Christian University. And and uh, this, this survey to me, I, there are some things that just jumped out at me. It just sort of, I, I looked at and I sort of thought, can these things actually be true? But these are the stats that uh, that he is uh, presenting. Now, look, folks, if you want to get a copy of this survey, because it's the sort of survey you may actually like to share if you've got a, uh, you know, a, a, a church meeting uh, where you want to uh, challenge some discussion, this is worth picking up. What you need to do is to go on to the Arizona Christian University uh, look for the Cultural Research Center, and they've got a whole pile of research there. And all you need to do is to uh, grab uh, the link to the most recent uh, research. And uh, this one was uh, August 30, 2022. Just yesterday, this was uh, released. And um, the latest report analyzes that research uh, across major U.S. denominations showing the loss in biblical belief is prevalent amongst pastors in all denominational groupings. Now, the thing that really jumped out at me here was we're talking about pastors here. We're not talking about, you know, the population generally. We're not talking about church attending people. We're talking about church pastors. These are people who are actually paid uh, to uh, be, uh, be be part of a uh, religious uh, congregation. The report uh, also found unexpectedly large percentages of pastors, regardless of their title or position, all their denominational affiliation rejected biblical teaching on a wide range of issues. The least biblically centered pastors, now get this, now I'd be interested in your feedback on this, Ricardo. The least biblically centered pastors by a substantial margin are those who serve as executive pastors, teaching pastors, or youth pastors. The least biblically centered pastors are people who are actually in leadership or are in youth work or who are teaching. How do you respond to that? That's alarming, really. So the ones who have more influence are the ones who less believe in the Bible. 
That, uh, to, to me, as I look that at that, oh, I turn around and uh, and say, "Hey, look, you know, this uh, this is something that I believe as church members we need yes. to be aware of." You know, I mean, some of the some of the things, uh, one third or more of senior pastors believe these types of things. Now, this is mm. one third of people in congregation. Just listen to this: that sexual relations between two unmarried people. Uh, who believe they are in love uh, is morally acceptable. Mm-hmm. So one third of pastors, people who are employed in the Christian church, say that uh, if two unmarried people say they love each other, it's morally acceptable for them mm-hmm. to actually live together. Then there's this one here. Determining moral truth is up to each individual. There are no moral absolutes that mm-hmm. apply to everyone all the time. Mm-hmm. Now, that's one third of senior how do you respond mm. to that i mean that's the uh undermining the bible as the you know as a rule of faith um and that's why we should encourage every church member to study the bible for themselves yeah because yeah. the mission god's mission will be finished not by pastors alone yeah, but by church members. Well, I, I wonder with some of these results if it's actually going to be uh, covered by pastors at all. Now, of course, this is across all Christian denominations. Uh, but when you say that, you know, certainly a third of them. Another one um, is that um, having uh, one third of pastors believe that having faith matters more than which faith you have. Mm. Now, to me, as I look at that, I say, hey, I mean, this is really, I mean, how would you respond to the Apostle Peter uh, in the book of Acts who says there's no other name given amongst men by which we must be saved? I mean, this is something that, you know, once you move away from the authority source of the word of God, where do you actually go to? Yes, this, this, this to me is truly, uh, you know, another one that uh, one third of pastors uh, accept. Reincarnation is a real possibility. Um, you know, a person who is generally good or does enough good things for others can earn a place in heaven. Uh, you know. These are basic Christian beliefs, aren't they? I mean, these aren't unique to to our particular church. These are something that is uh, remarkably um, um, uh, common across most yes. Christian denominations. Um, now, um, just uh, just picking up on the executive summary of this this particular report, uh, amongst uh, evangelical pastors, thirty nine percent contend that there's no absolute moral truth, mm. and that each individual must determine their own truth. Likewise, only thirty eight percent maintain that human life is sacred, and thirty seven percent say that having faith matters more than which faith. Mm-hmm. You have now. What does this say to you, Ricardo? If you know you are a person who is wanting to select a church to attend, wow! That that is all those unbiblical beliefs and theories are the trend, the trends today, right? Yeah. And the, the easy way for pastors would be to believe that um, there is no truth; everything is relative. Yeah. So in that sense, uh, I believe that um, if I were to pick up a church with that kind of thinking, then any church will do. Yeah. Anything yeah. I do is correct as long as maybe I don't hurt anyone. Yeah. You know, and um, 
Do you think, do you think culture is actually impacting the Bible uh, more than the Bible impacting culture? It is. And I think the Apostle Paul for, 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 yeah, help us out. Yeah, yeah. You know, when, um, when he was, um, teaching Timothy, young pastor Timothy, yeah, yeah, yeah. uh, in 2 Timothy chapter 4, he says something interesting. At the beginning, he says, In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this advice or charge. Yes, yes, in yes. In view of his appearing. So uh, you were mentioning before that um, by the things that we're looking around mm. us, mm. Uh, the end of the world is not too far away. Yeah, indeed, indeed, know? and very much so. And so in view that this is happening soon, uh, this is what Paul said to Timothy, and it catches my attention here. It says, preach the word. Okay. Very simple. Don't preach any theory, yeah. uh, fancy theories, but preach the word. Base, be based on the Bible. Yeah. Uh, be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when men will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. Wow, uh, wow. And so I think that a lot of ministers have forgotten today that we've been called um, to please God, not to please men. Yes, like yes, yes. Yeah. by pleasing God, I can also please men. That's good. Yes, yes. But it's not the other way around. Yeah, I think that's a vital point that you do actually make. You know, you actually pick it up. I mean, this, uh, the executive summary in this particular report once again, and this part really actually surprised me. Uh, a proportion of Pentecostal and moved to Pentecostal and charismatic pastors who embrace non-scriptural points of view is also astounding. Now, of course, you know, traditionally the, uh, the Pentecostal, uh, uh, grouping has tried, uh, to stay as close to to scripture as they uh, as they can, and certainly it's been the foundation of. Uh, I mean, I certainly disagree with uh, with some of their conclusions, but they've tried to stay uh, close to the uh, to what the word is uh, is is declaring. A majority of those pastors believe that moral truth is relevant to the uh, is relative to the individual and situation. There are no moral absolutes that apply to everyone. All the time, you know. When I pick up that, I sort of turn around and say, "Hey, well, if that's the case, yes. um, uh, you know, do we have any direction at all from God?" You I mean, know what, Gary, that goes back to the uh, to that uh, the devil saying, you know, he says, "Do what you want, exactly, do what you will." Yes, yeah. And that's certainly what he, what he said in the Garden of Eden, you know. Has God really said, uh, was certainly the question, you know. Has God really said that you shall not really die? You know, I mean, here it's, has God really said? And I mean, hey, I mean, I, I, I look at, you know, the, the moral law that's given to us in, in, in Exodus chapter 20, you know. I mean, to me, there are some things there which are incredibly, uh, radical, uh, particularly when you look at the society, uh, that we're, we're living in, in today. But you know, as I look at this particular 
survey. I'm, I'm turning around saying, hey, uh, I, I really appreciate this, uh, this sort of, uh, uh, information because it does actually tell me where my world is at. And what mm-hmm. it does do is it, it gives me some, uh, understanding. It fills in the scriptural picture because, you know, to me, uh, Fabiano, more and more, I'm just looking at the word of God and I'm saying, hey, the prophetic parts of scripture are becoming more and more relevant because they are actually responding to questions uh, that uh, are um, to, to situations that are occurring in our contemporary world uh, right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you know, as I look at, look at, I just turn around and say, hey, you know, uh, Christ said, you know, when you see these things, when you see these signs take place mm-hmm. and be look certain up. you know, look up because yeah. my coming is near. And to me, I, I look up and I say, hey, look, you know, I, I believe more and more. In fact, I'm going to be doing, a, I'm going to be spending an entire Sabbath just in a, uh, in a, a month or so's time at, uh, at my church. We're just going to work our way, uh, through some of the significant, uh, contemporary prophecies that relate yes. to our era. Uh, these are these are just so so important, so so vital. A lot of those prophecies are being fulfilled as we speak outside the church and within the church as well. Indeed, exactly there are many right. Signs. Exactly right, folks. Look, let's come to some music. Uh, this is uh, a beautiful uh, uh, rendition. This is Faith First, and they're uh, uh, they're singing uh, where there uh, is uh, where there is faith. Uh, please enjoy uh, this uh, uh, this rendition.
This is Pastor Gary. You might be familiar with me from Drive Time. I have a fantastic invitation for you. Every year, the Seventh-day Adventist churches all over Australia jointly participate in what's called a week of prayer. During this week, churches share at different times in focused prayer. At these times, we pray for spiritual revival. We pray for reformation in churches. We pray for our community and we pray for a multitude of personal needs. Sometimes this occurs by Zoom in the early hours of the morning. Other times, local churches host physical gatherings each evening. Often, it occurs at the local Seventh-day Adventist church. I'd love to encourage you to check out what's happening at your local Adventist church. Or, if you'd like to join with me by Zoom, 7am Adelaide time, each morning, Saturday, September 10, through to Saturday, September 17, all you need to do is to email me at aussieprayernetwork.com at gmail.com and I'll forward you the Zoom link. If you'd like us to simply pray for your needs, then please send us that request to Network at gmail.com and we'll add your concern to our prayer list. We believe that we serve a God who answers prayer. May God richly bless you. And, folks, that's going to be a fantastic week. That happens uh, just next week. It's uh, it's a program. Certainly, if you happen to be here in Adelaide and you'd like to join us at uh, uh, at Brighton uh, Adventist Church, Amelia Street, Hove, uh, I'd love to actually be able to, to see you. Please feel free to come along and introduce yourself. I'll be preaching uh, this particular Sabbath, 11 o'clock in the, uh, in the morning, and uh, we're going to be commencing our week of prayer. This is a really special week. And uh, as a church, I'm going to be... Uh, uh, meeting with uh, uh, with those who 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 are able to to join at seven a.m. Adelaide time till seven thirty every every single morning uh, each uh, each evening Monday to Friday we're going to be meeting together just for one hour from uh, seven till eight we're going to be uh, be be praying uh, together. Uh, for our church, for our community, for individual needs. Look, guys, if you'd like to come and join us, we'd love uh, to have you uh, have you join uh, with us by by Zoom. Certainly, each morning. Uh, if you want that uh, uh, that uh, Zoom link, uh, all you need to do is to email me at uh, Aussie Prayer Network at gmail.com and that'll come straight through to my desk and uh, I'll send you the uh, the Zoom link. Love to have you uh, have you with us. Now folks, we also do have a giveaway book uh, today. Now, our giveaway book uh, is entitled uh, Life Without Limits and this is uh, uh, written by a, a fantastic uh, author. I I love reading uh, Clifford Goldstein's uh, material. Uh, this this book's entitled Life Without Limits by uh, Clifford Goldstein and uh, he answers some of the really big, some of the really tough questions uh, that often are put uh, to people who may be new uh, in the Christian faith. Uh, I, th- this guy has got impeccable uh, logic. He's a, he's easy to read and uh, a delightful sense of humour. Guys, can I just encourage you, if you'd like uh, Clifford Goldstein's book, uh, Life Without Limits, all you need to do is to text us uh, here at the, the studio. Uh, that's 04 888 Eight oh eight eleven oh four triple eight. 
80811. And all you need to do in your text is just give us the code. And the code for today is SA70, SA70. No gap between the SA and the, and the 70. And, uh, that'll trigger our robot. And he's a kind, he's a friendly, he's a great robot. Uh, does, does his job, uh, impeccably. Uh, he'll ask a few details, uh, from, uh, from you. And then, uh, uh, we'll, uh, we'll be able to get that book to you in the fastest, uh, way, way possible. So, uh, once again, that, uh, that number is, uh, 04 888 80811 and uh, uh, the book we're giving away is Life Without Limits and the code is SA70 just uh, uh, four digits in a, in a row we'd love to be able to give this book uh, book to you. Now you are listening to uh, Faith FM Drive Time big Q&A with uh, Pastor Gary and today our co-host is Pastor Ricardo Schaefer and Pastor is Ricardo uh, of uh, a number of churches uh, right here in the incredible city of uh, of Adelaide and uh, this week we're following the theme God the Bible and a very human church and we're actually looking at the church at Corinth because they're suffering they're dealing with so many issues that are just so relevant uh, to our churches today so many churches Churches are dealing with exactly the same issues as that church at Corinth was uh, was dealing with. Yesterday we were talking about sexual immorality in the church. The church at Corinth was dealing with that. Uh, on Monday we were talking about divisions. We were talking about cliques in the church. Uh, and today, of course, uh, we're dealing with another one of the issues that Paul brings up in Corinth, and that's the issue of uh, conflict uh, in the in the church. Uh, this is another really really big one. Now, look one. Of of the uh, uh, many people don't realise uh, the faith communities um, did a survey of fourteen thousand three hundred and one congregations and found that at any given time they followed them over a little period of time they found that at any given time about one fifth of congregations is experiencing uh, experiencing active conflict. Now when I read that I sort of thought, wow, uh, that's actually a huge number. That means that in a uh, you know if you've got in a a city here like uh, uh, like Adelaide, maybe in Sydney, where you've got maybe a couple of hundred churches over there in, in Sydney, uh, you can expect it. They're saying about one third of them to be involved in a greater or a lesser degree of uh, of conflict. That's a huge number. I mean, did you know it was that high, um, Ricardo? No, but it, it's not surprising though. Yeah, okay. I, I think that's actually a point. I, I've certainly, in my ministry, I've certainly had uh, churches. I really appreciate attending the the Brighton Church at at, at this point in time. I love ministering there. Uh, a church, a, a fellowship of faith that uh, is is wanting to grow spiritually, and uh, the congregation is increasing. Love being actually being there, and I'm certainly Amazing. I'm certainly not aware of any any conflict. But I'm conscious that that's not the case. Everywhere, and I've certainly yes. pastored churches where that hasn't been the uh, been the case. But look, mm-hmm. in the uh, in the book of First uh, uh, Corinthians, Paul, of course, is speaking to the uh, uh, to, to this church at Corinth, and he he's dealing with challenges in the church. He's had clicks to start with, and then he's talked about sexual immorality. We talked about that uh, yesterday. Uh, today, uh, we've got a, another situation that's in exactly the same church, and I actually asked, uh, <laughs> yesterday I asked Eric, I said, Eric, how would you like to be in a church yeah. like this? And um, I'm picking up uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, and this is the issue that we're, we're dealing with uh, today, and that's this issue of conflict in the church. Dare any of you, says Paul, hearing a matter against Against another, go to law before the unrighteous and not before the saints. 
Do you not know that the saints will judge the world? And if the world will be judged by you, are you not unworthy to judge the smallest matters? Do you not know that we shall judge angels? How much more things that pertain to this life? Uh, and then, uh, but... Uh, in, in your church, he says in verse 6, brother goes to law against brother, and that before unbelievers. Now, therefore, it is already an utter failure for you that you go to law against one another. Why do you not rather accept the wrong rather than this? Why do you not rather let yourselves be cheated? Now, this is, again, a radical way of living. You know, as I yes. read this, I mean, we've actually got a, got a problem here in the church. And, okay, there's conflict in the church, but the conflict is so great that the believers are actually taking out uh, legal suits against against each other uh, and, uh, and Paul is saying, hey, uh, this is a total failure uh, for the church. Tell me now, Ricardo. Uh, this this issue of conflict in the church. I mean, I mean, have you ever seen that sort of that sort of thing in you know within the church environment? And how do we deal with it uh, when we encounter it? Yes, Gary. Unfortunately, I've seen that uh, quite a few times in the church. There are churches that are healthier, of course, and that's a blessing. But there are other churches that are suffering because of these conflicts. There's a lot of um, you can call them troublemakers, you know, causing yeah. conflict yeah. and um, big issues in the church. Um, if you continue reading what you were reading there, it's interesting because after speaking about these conflict uh, makers uh, in the church of Corinth, uh, verse 9 has a list of uh, sins that you know, these people were committing. And it goes like this, Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. So he's, he's now he, he has introduced the troublemakers first, yes, and then yes. he goes on to add on to that group, this list of sinners or uh-huh, sins, uh-huh. and he says, Do not be deceived, and neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And you know what? I praise God for verse 11 because it's it's powerful, isn't it? It's powerful. uh, And such were, past tense, were some of you. That means many of them had changed. Yeah, 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 yeah. But And I love it as it keeps going on. But you were washed, you were sanctified, and of course sanctified means to set aside, but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. But such were some, were some of you. What hope that does actually give? A lot of hope, actually. Yeah. Because that is actually the solution to conflict in the church. And it's uh, if you read between the lines, it's actually telling you that the cause of conflict in the church is the unconverted heart, or human heart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But in that case, many of them had been washed or forgiven, sanctified, you know, their characters were transformed, justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and the Spirit of God. They, they became spiritual. Tell me something. Do you, do you really think there are people in the church who haven't had their heart changed. I mean, is that what you're saying? Yes, of course. Many people, and many people who attend church for many years, they have no idea 
uh, of what conversion is all about. Okay, okay. You know, it's interesting, isn't it, that uh, uh, what Christ actually says in John chapter 3, talking to Nicodemus, he talks about unless you be um, uh, be converted, then he talks about being baptized by water and the, and spirit, the spirit, you know. It sort of seems, you know, it, it's very easy to actually be baptized by water, and of course that's symbolic of, of washing. But Christ adds something in there. You know, you won't see the kingdom of heaven unless you... Uh, unless you are baptized by water and the Spirit, and you know yes. this particular Sabbath at uh, at my Brighton Church, uh, we're starting our week of prayer, and the subject I'm actually going to be talking about is the issue of discipleship, and it's but it's not just discipleship; it's discipleship and the work of the Holy Spirit. Uh, you know what is the work of? We had a Bible study just this last uh, Monday Monday night. We actually went on for about an hour and a half. Uh, we had we had a lovely number of people at our church, and what we were talking about is you know what is the sign how do i know that i actually have uh the the holy spirit functioning within me you know it's only as the holy spirit changes my heart changes my mind changes my thinking processes that all of a sudden uh that which uh, became a burden to me in the past actually becomes a uh, a um a strength to me in the in the present so that's true yeah, but look, I, I, I'm taking over your your particular role. <laughs> That's take, all good. take take us through. Uh, um, how do we deal with this issue yeah. of um, of conflict? I mean, if there is conflict in the church, how do we deal with it? I exactly. Mean, does the scripture give us any direction? It's it's all about being converted. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you mentioned Jesus saying, "If he, he, unless you're born again, you won't be able to see the kingdom of of heaven, yeah. the kingdom of God." In, in uh, oftentimes, Jesus mentioned um, the danger of sins that would not allow us to enter the kingdom of heaven. But in mm-hmm. this particular occasion, he says, "Unless you're born again, you will not even see the kingdom of heaven." Mm. It's like uh, if if we're not transformed by the Spirit of God, we will not even understand the kingdom of heaven. You won't, we won't be able to even see it, right? Um, on another occasion uh, in Corinthians as well, the church in Corinth uh, had a lot of issues, we know. But there was a problem with a certain group of uh, Jews going to... Um, Antioch to to the Gentiles and mm-hmm. telling them that unless unless you are circumcised these were new converts yes 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 unless you're circumcised you won't be saved mm-hmm. and this is registered in Acts chapter fifteen mm-hmm. and so. Uh, it says and of course, here, what's happening in Acts fifteen is that there is actually conflict in the church over yes. a, what is a theological issue. This to them. will be a theological issue, and the and so the the disciples all all come together in order to uh, to resolve this issue. And I think this process is really instructive to us. So mm-hmm. take us through it. They, they, obviously, they uh, they succeeded because they allowed the Holy Spirit to lead them. Yes, if. Um, any of the listeners go through chapter 15 in Acts, you will see that in one point the apostles say something like this uh, when they when they um, communicated their decision to the Gentiles. Mm-hmm. They said um, it seemed good to us, to us and to the, and Holy, the Holy Spirit. Spirit. That's interesting. An, that, that, that's interesting. That that really is instructive. So yes. you know they're functioning under the the leading of the Holy Spirit. Yes. But take they us through led, that process they were a bit led more. By the Holy yes. Spirit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the problem was that they um, a group of 
um, unauthorized people went to the Gentiles and told them that uh, the 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 theology or the teaching at Jerusalem was that everyone should be circumcised. When that is not, that was not true. They were not sent by anyone. They yeah. were just on their own. And so that was causing a big burden on these newly converted Gentiles because um, they could not understand the reason why that was required for salvation. And so there was a big argument, a big conflict to the point that they had to to hold this uh, council at Jerusalem yep. with representatives from Antioch. In this case, Paul and, and Barnabas came to the council as well. Peter was there. James was there. And they had a, a meeting. Yeah. So yeah. Um, Paul had an opportunity there to share with them what God was doing with the Gentiles, how God had outpoured his Holy Spirit on them as well who were not circumcised, and they were able to to do things like speaking in tongues when they needed yeah. to, speak yeah. other languages, for example. So the evidence was there. The Holy Spirit was working in their hearts even though they were not circumcised. Um, at the end, they decided to... Not, not to burden the newly converts, the Gentiles, with yeah, yeah, yeah. circumcision. Yeah. They just required from them uh, four things. Yes. You know? yes. And they were happy with that. They sent a letter, representatives as well, and Gentiles. the Gentiles were happy when they received the news. Yep. Yep. Everyone was happy. But um, there's two great lessons that we can take from the way this was handled and uh, I would like to share with our listeners. Uh, the first one is the importance of not compromising the truth. Because we're, we're talking about a, a conflict here, a theological conflict. And it, it, it was the doctrine of salvation that was undermined. Because salvation is by grace. The Bible is clear on that. But this... People uh, who went to the Gentiles and in the beginning were teaching that salvation was by works. Mm. You don't circumcise, you're There's not There's something saved. additional that you've got to do yes. in order to be accepted into the Christian faith. Exactly, as yeah. if grace was not enough. Yes. You see? Uh, so let's see the importance of not compromising the truth. So the um, Judaizers were arguing that circumcision was necessary for salvation. There was therefore a danger of the church breaking up into competing theological factions with different apostles teaching different gospels and the church's unity destroyed. That was mm. at, at risk. The danger was real enough. The Judaizers claimed the authority of James and contradicted Paul. So they were actually causing trouble. They were misrepresenting James because James never said that that people, Gentiles, mm. should be circumcised. So they were causing trouble between yes, the apostles. Yes, yes. Uh, Peter was led astray and was opposed by Paul, as we know. So the three apostles appeared to be in disagreement with James and Paul on opposite sides and Peter oscillating between them. You know, he couldn't make up his mind for a while. So the situation. How often do you actually see that taking place? I mean, that that is so. You know, I mean, virtually every committee that I've ever been on. But you know, the thing I appreciate about what you're saying here is that these apostles had an incredibly high regard 
uh, for the scriptures. They had an authority yes. source where they were pre- prepared to say, look, you know, yes, we disagree here, but we do have a common mm-hmm. authority source that we are going to actually uh, come back to, that we're going to yes. actually uh, study this. We're going to talk this issue out, but yes. we're going to resolve it uh, on the, the, you know, uh, to me, as I sort of consider our, you know, just this survey that just has just come back, uh, back to us, I just sort of look at it and, and I say, Hey, you know, we're actually living in a religious world today mm-hmm. uh, that uh, um, is prepared to say, I have no regard for the word of God. In fact, increasingly, yes. what I am conscious about is that uh, churches uh, right across the spectrum are increasingly becoming a, you know, I would call it a social organization mm-hmm. uh, more than a spiritual organization. You know, I think sometimes, Correct. you know, we actually uh, do, do forget that uh, we're actually accountable. As you rightly said earlier in the program, we're accountable uh, to, uh, uh, to the Lord God and actually not to other humans. We're not actually accountable uh, to society. Does that mean that some of our beliefs will actually uh, conflict with a society? Most certainly it will. Yes, uh, there's going to be uh, conflict between the, the church and society, and certainly in, in Paul's day, that's exactly what was happening. In fact, in those days, there were certain people who had to seal uh, their belief with their life. True. And, uh, you know, as I look at it, I turn around and say, hey, you know, I, I wonder if uh, if that day is not uh, not fast coming in uh, in our own countries, but look, guys, let's come to some uh, some music, and then we're going to come back to that second uh, question that you've uh, uh, second point that you had. Uh, this is uh, uh, this is heritage. I I love uh, this uh, this particular uh, song. Plenty of room in the family, and if you're uh, if you're out there listening to us, hey, can I just encourage you? There's plenty of room in the family. We'd love to welcome you uh, on board. This is heritage. Please uh, please enjoy. Uh, this uh, this beautiful song.
was Heritage, and uh, Heritage is singing Plenty of Room in the Family. You know, I uh, the Christian church is so much like that. I, I love the way the uh, Christian church has developed uh, like a family. I know it at my particular church. I, I love attending my church uh, because uh, uh, they're people that are more than happy to, to greet you and greet you warmly and friendly, and uh, I'm really looking forward to our, our week of prayer that's coming up in this coming uh, this coming week, and I'd love to have you come and uh, come and join uh, join with us. Uh, now, look, folks, don't forget that uh, that book. We've had a, a really appreciate the uh, the people who've actually requested that book today. I think we're going to have to start putting a limit on the number of books that uh, uh, that we uh, we are actually giving out. Uh, I hope my boss uh, doesn't get me into trouble over uh, giving away this uh, this number of books because I look at that and I say, hey, you know, this is I'm uh, um, Pastor Gary could get into trouble. Um, now, look, this is a real ripper of a book, and, and look, we do have a good supply of them. So, look, if you'd like this uh, particular book, uh, Life Without Limits, uh, and this is by Clifford Goldstein. He's a ripper of an yes, author. I, you know him, uh, yes. Ricardo? How, how do you enjoy him? I love his books. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he's certainly one of the. He's insightful. He's logical. He's, logic, oh, he's yes. got he's got humor in there. Yes. And I just sort of look at. I I love reading he's his. Fun uh, to read. He's fun to read indeed. And this book is entitled Life Without uh, Limits. He comes from a Jewish a Jewish background, and uh, powerful truths for the journey to hope and and meaning, answering some of the really big questions of the of the Christian faith. You'll love this uh, this particular book. Now, look, if you'd like a copy, our drive time text number is oh four. Triple eight, eight oh eight eleven oh four triple eight, eight oh eight eleven, and all you need to do is to uh, send us the code. The code for today is SA seventy. No gap between the SA and the seventy. And uh, also, if you've got any uh, comments or questions, any feedback that you want to give us, hey, more than happy for you to use that particular uh, text number again, and uh, and that'll come straight through to my desk here in our in our studio. Um, oh four triple eight eight oh eight eleven, and if you want that book uh, then SA70 is the code or you can make a, a comment and uh, share your your thoughts uh, thoughts with us now you are listening to Faith FM Drive Time big Q&A with uh, Pastor Gary and today our co-host is uh, Pastor Ricardo Schaefer and he's uh, Ricardo's uh, pastoring uh, right here in the beautiful uh, city of, uh, of Adelaide and it's wonderful to have uh, Ricardo with us and this week we're following the theme God the Bible and a very human church and today we're looking at is conflict real in the church? And we certainly looked at, you know, the Corinthian church certainly faced uh, conflict. Uh, Paul gave them uh, certainly some advice. Uh, we've noticed that uh, the Christian church, the first great council of the Christian church was uh, recorded in Acts uh, chapter chapter 15, and that concerned a theological uh, conflict that was going on uh, in, in the church. Now, look, you gave us, um, uh, you mentioned that there were two lessons that really came out That's right. of uh, this, particular, uh, this particular story. Uh, we didn't touch the second one. I don't know if we finished the first one. Um, take us away again. So the first one was the, uh, the importance of not compromising the truth because um, because of that conflict, uh, the doctrine of salvation by grace was in danger. Yes. If, um, if they would not have come back to the Scriptures to solve yes. the issues, yes. Yes. the church could have suffered division, yes. and maybe we would, have have, we would have ended up having two churches, two Christian churches, one believing that salvation is by works, yep. like circumcision, and the other one believing that that is not necessary, that it's by grace, yes. through faith. To good yeah. work so there well. could have been a split way back there at the very beginning, but the church was prepared yes. to come together, and significantly they come together on the Word of God. 
That's a great example. And that's why they were able to succeed. Yes. They, yes. They, deter- they were determined not to compromise the truth. Yes. And they found a solution. Yes, we're not going to compromise the doctrine of salvation by grace. Yes. Salvation is by grace. And therefore, they did not require from the Gentiles to be circumcised. Yes, yes, yes. yes, yes, yes. Uh, Take us to the second point. So the second point is the importance of Christian love. Because there are things that we can compromise on because they don't put in danger any of the biblical principles. These yes, are just yes, yes. aspects or you know, of yeah. the faith. So Paul was unwilling to compromise, as we know, the truth of the gospel. And he resisted the Judaizers, uh, rebuked Peter in public, and wrote a compelling appeal to the Galatians in the letter of Galatians yeah. about yeah. this issue as well. At the same time, he was extremely concerned about Jews and Gentiles maintaining a good Christian relationship within the body of Christ. Now, the question is, how could he unite the church without compromising the gospel? Mm-hmm. How could he defend the integrity of the gospel without sacrificing the unity um, of the church? Uh, his answers reveals uh, the greatness of, of his heart and mind. Once the theological principle was firmly established that salvation is by grace alone, no circumcision was needed or required, but circumcision was just neutral, then he was prepared to adjust his practical policies. Now he was able to compromise. So he made two notable concessions or compromises, Mm -hmm. both for the same conciliatory reason. First, he accepted the four cultural abstentions proposed by the Jewish leaders to the Gentiles um, at that meeting because Moses uh, Moses was widely read and and preached and and this Gentile restraint these four conditions would ease Jewish consciences and facilitate Jewish Gentile social relationships secondly um, this may seem funny but he circumcised poor Timothy um he who had just been fulminating against circumcision did that mm. out of consideration for the Jews who would be offended if he remained uncircumcised see because this was not a biblical principle or a matter of salvation in other words whether or not you were circumcised or not uncircumcised what Paul said well it really doesn't matter at all that's right uh, but if it's going to offend um, right. a brother uh, we're actually going to be prepared to allow Timothy uh, to be circumcised. Yes, which is a great lesson for us. There are many things that we may be able to compromise yeah. in order to reach out people who have prejudices or dif- a different perspective. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. So Paul's concessions here are completely in line with the conciliatory teaching of his letters. He urged Christians with a strong or educated conscience not to violate the consciences of the weak. A strong conscience gives us Liberty of behavior, but we should limit our liberty out of love for the weak. Mm-hmm. Again, though free, Paul was willing to make himself a slave to others. To those under the law, it says in the Bible, he was prepared to become like one under the law in order to win those who are under the law. And that's exactly what Paul was doing when he circumcised Timothy. As also, when some years later he accepted James' proposal in Jerusalem that he join in certain Jewish purification rites. Mm. He didn't have to do it, but because it wasn't a sin to do it, he consented. Okay, okay. But to me, the interesting thing again is that Paul is prepared 
to uh, he stands firm on issues that are presented in the Word of God yes. in an authoritative manner, and yet on those issues that are not presented in the Word mm-hmm. of God, he's prepared to compromise Correct. on those particular issues. Now, to me, I think that's a vitally important distinction. You know, sometimes I've actually, uh, you know, people have said, ah, but, you know, what about when when brethren see things differently? Well, sometimes there's a, there's a point of saying, hey, wait, mm-hmm. because often there is so much heat being engendered into a particular issue, or alternatively, we're actually finding that issue is being um, charged more by culture than by Correct. scripture. Uh, so, you know, to me, there's a time to actually wait and just simply mm. uh, allow some time to uh, to yes. pass. And I'm conscious that there are some things in the church today that uh, you know, uh, to uh, it's positively dangerous. Uh, to actually uh, make mm. change and to move, you know, I I think of, uh, uh, for example, the, uh, uh, the 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 traditional stand of the church on, on morality. Now, as I look at it, to, mm. me, to me, I think it's more than fair. It's 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 fair. It's reasonable. Um, the scriptures actually present, when you understand what the scripture is saying, a very considered uh, and well uh, well established um, understanding. Um, you know, to me. To actually turn around and change that uh, that view uh, of uh, morality without scriptural authority, and that's effectively yes. what's happening. It's occurring because of culture. Mm-hmm. It's at that point that it's actually uh, becomes incredibly, incredibly exactly. dangerous. Because a lot of people are turning away from the Bible. Indeed. And so uh, sometimes we end up majoring in minors as well. And, and indeed, yeah. indeed. Uh, one last thought. Our time is starting uh-huh. to get away from us. Um, so, uh, we may say that the Council of Jerusalem secured a double victory. A victory of truth in confirming the gospel of grace and a victory of love in preserving the fellowship by sensitive concessions to Jewish perspectives. Um, like Luther, Martin Luther said in his commentary uh, on the Epistle of the Galatians that Paul was strong in faith and soft in love. Or, for example, Paul Newton once said during a meeting uh, of the Eclectic Society in 1799, he said, Paul was a reed in non-essentials, but an iron pillar in essentials. Ah, that's a, what, what a start. <laughs> and that's that an phrase. excellent place to actually finish. <laughs> While Paul was a reed uh, able to bend in non-essentials, but in uh, essentials, it was as strong as a mm. pillar as you could Bye. possibly want. Uh, folks, look, let's pray together. Father in heaven, Lord, we come to you right now. I want to say thank you for being our Lord and our God. I want to say thank you for giving us uh, your scripture. Uh, I want to say thank you for giving us that revealed word. Lord, thank you for giving us Jesus Christ. Thank you for giving us the Holy Spirit. Uh, Lord, I just pray that you might be with each of our listeners. Lord, if there's anyone where the Holy Spirit is touching them right now saying, hey, look, uh, you know, come back. It's time to come back to the word of God. I just yes. pray uh, for that particular individual. Lord, these are challenging times. Uh, I just pray uh, that you uh, will be the one to show the way to open and close the necessary doors to allow that person to come back to you. Lord, these things we ask and we pray in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. Amen. Well, folks, it does look like our time's up for today. Thank you so much for joining Pastor Gary and Pastor Ricardo on Drive Time Big Q&A. 
Please join us tomorrow when Pastor Fabiano and Pastor Hugh Heenan are going to be looking at another one of those issues in the life of the Corinthian church. They're going to be looking at uh, uh, the church that misused their, their gifts. Is that possible? Uh, it's, a, it's a fantastic uh, uh, question. Really uh, look forward uh, to, to being with you then. But until then, please remember Christ said, I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart and the peace I give. Isn't like the peace that the world gives. So don't be troubled or afraid. May our God richly bless you. This program has been made possible by the support of Adventist World Radio.